0: I think i I do remember us talking about this I did get one of the gigantic Easter Island heads sent to my American oh, tour managers. oh uh, that's great I tell you it was it was it was the it was an excellent like roast or whatever like it was we were on tour it was a guy who used to tour manage me he's now tour managers just and Molly and we were touring oh, nice. with Flog and Molly and you know he has a busy time tour managing that band and mm-hmm. the last day of the tour is always hectic because as a tour manager part of his job is to deal with where all the equipment goes after the last show, do you know what I mean? As well as yeah. where all the people go. Um, so I had a eight foot tall Easter Island head shipped to the final venue of the tour, addressed to him
1: <laughs> um,
0: with no further explanation. This is Tokyo Tonight.
1: tokyo tonight hello hey hello how are you
0: look at that i'm very well i'm very pleased am am i your first repeat guest you're not our first repeat guest
2: damn it Um, well then okay bye thanks (laughs) i wanted to lie to you i really did i you said it and i was like oh i should just no but you're not our first repeat guest you are but you're our first guest ever on the show you agreed to come on before okay all right well yeah, yeah that, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I feel like so, I, I was genuinely, so when I when I asked you to come on the show, like we decided to do the podcast, we were going to do it. And then I was like, I think I had messaged you or just something out of the blue and you had actually gotten back to me. And I was like, oh, I'm like, hmm. I'm going to ask him, I'm going to ask him to do the show. And then you did. And I was like, I don't know if I should tell him he's the first. <laughs> feel back at I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure.
0: I mean, you know, it went well, yeah. it had a good time.
2: Oh yeah, we had a blast. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. Um, is this your? First, you've been touring for a little bit at this point now, right? Like this, is your First yeah. time back in the U.S., but
0: yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, it's not even that. We um we hmm. did a, I did a tour in the states in October last year. Um, oh, nice. Which increasingly feels like a kind of weird fever dream. Um, uh, <laughs> like it was, it was really early doors to be back on the road again. Post everything and i had a run of shows with Captain crows which was awesome
2: that's right um
0: uh kind of a dream for me actually and indeed a couple of festivals and some headline shows and all this kind of thing but like it it was that was a strange time to be on the road um and that that was a duo tour it was me and matt who plays um madeline yeah yeah when we do a duo show so we did that um and 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 it was cool and it was sort of it, it felt good to sort of trying to be on the front foot but like the temperature of arguments about things like testing and COVID passes and vaccines and everything was, was yet higher back then Mm. than it is now. Um, and which made it quite stressful touring back then. I mean, I'm always feel like it's important to say like, contrary to what, what uh, Joe public may think and, and be keen to let me know about all on my social media and email and all the rest of it. Things are not just back to normal. No.
1: Yeah. Right. And it's
0: like, everyone's kind of like, well, there aren't any restrictions where I live now. So why isn't everything exactly like it was two and a half years ago? And it's like, well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: as yeah. an industry, we got kicked in the groin every single day for two and a half years. And uh, it sucked. And it's going to take a while to, uh, to stand up again after that. But we're on tour. I've got my band. Um, I've got uh, the Bronx, Pat needs with us. Uh, we're in Richmond, Virginia. Who could complain?
2: But <laughs> right, no, I, I hear you, man. And it, <clears throat> it's weird too, because even like comedy wise and stuff like that going back out, like the audience has such a different perception of what is going on. Because to them, sure. every they like everybody has to go back out to normal. Like, that's the thing I feel like is weird is that you know, we were basically forced back out into norm, you know, quote unquote, whatever normal is, right? Um, and uh, and I don't think anybody really kind of knows what's right and what's like what, like. You know i don't want anybody to get sick but i also know that people are going out in droves anyway and you're either sure. going to go along with it and try to be as safe as you possibly can or you don't go out at all anymore
0: right and well and like ultimately you know the, the, the great difficulty is that part of the job of being a live entertainer is the job of gathering large numbers of people together but yeah. you reach a point where it's like everyone's going to the mall and everybody's yeah. going to the airports and train stations and all the rest of it and it's like ultimately i wouldn't be careful in how i phrase this but there are sort of moments where it's a bit kind of like you're still trying to be the good person do the right thing and thereby just repeatedly blowing up any hope of like making a living your savings your career just smashing it in the knees with a tire iron day after day after day while everybody else is just kind of carrying on yeah to the reach point it's like do i have to keep doing this yeah like um and and ultimately no, and, and and you know we have to collectively reach a point where, you know, there's an acceptance of personal responsibility and and risk yeah. and all this kind of thing, you know, and it's not like people didn't tour during flu season in the past and all the rest. Not that I'm saying that COVID and flu are the same. No, I hear you. Not, but you know, so it's 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 been it's been really hard, you know, and I, there's a large part of me that feels like those of us in the live entertainment industry have been kind of like canaries in a coal mine in a way that's been kind of unfair. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. Like, we started to get shouted at. Again, like when things were first kicking off, I just got so, I got people emailing me telling me I was a murderer for not cancelling tour dates when the first cases were reported in China and stuff. And it was just like, yeah. I don't know what to do with that information. No, I know. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, but then and on the flip side of it, as I say, now we get this situation where it was like, well, why isn't everything completely normal? And it's just kind of like, because everything was blown up
1: it's yeah
0: a, I mean it's like like it's been complete and utter chaotic devastation for more than two years and it's right. like so though no, we didn't just flick a switch I mean damn yeah but I don't I but once again I've done it again I'm complaining I don't want to complain no I you're fu- fine no close. I mean I, I <laughs>
2: I'm I'm happy no you're not complaining at all and I'm kind of happy like we've, we've talked about this with other guests and stuff like that on the show and I think it's nice to get a perspective from you know because you're not being malicious about it you're not being crass about it or rude about it you're just expressing obvious concerns that i think a lot of people kind of have like even like i like the other day it was one of those things where like so i um you know we had robert klein on the show and then he was performing somewhere in new jersey so he invited me out i went to go see him and in the back of my mind the entire time, I'm like, I know this guy has avoided COVID. I know I don't have it right now. But you know, like, you're in the theater, you're with people. I know I'm hanging out with him afterward, but I'm like, God, what if I'm the one who kills him? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like I was like, because well, yeah. now there's a photo of us and I'm younger and I'm just like, what? You know what I mean? It, like, yeah, yeah. Well, think,
0: then, okay. So, so check this out. Like, in terms of like, the universe or God or however you want to put it like mm-hmm. screwing with my like if if my life recently was like it was a film script and it would be like something like The Office do you know what I mean like one of those <laughs> like humiliation comedies <laughs> right. right the the universe through threw me like a, a, a curveball. so we're, we're more than two years into a global pandemic and during that period of time I hadn't had COVID mm-hmm. until Two weeks before this fucking tour started. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was just like, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was, yeah. excuse my swearing. I was at home mm. uh, and like, and I was in the middle of like, I was trying to sort of like, you know, sort of eat rice and work out a bit, get my voice in shape, and sort of get ready. This is a huge undertaking. We're playing 50 states in 50 days. Yeah. And it was like, need to be in shape. And then I started feeling a bit weird. And then I did a test and it was just like, you have to be fucking with me at this point. Wow. um yeah. And then, because then the problem with it is, I mean, obviously I was, sick for a time mm-hmm. which was unpleasant yeah and it's a respiratory tract infection which is great as a singer right um, uh, and also whilst having fever I managed to throw my back out for the first time in four years oh, so yeah. um so about five days before the tour was due to start I was in England <laughs> couldn't get into the US because you still had to like get a negative test get in the plane not that I would have gotten a plane if I had COVID anyway right um, and i couldn't really sing or stand up and it was just like hmm well this isn't quite how i was planning on this going (laughs) um and we like delayed the rest of my crew flew out and like we were putting together a plan b but it was just sort of too horrendous to contemplate how much because we you know we've set ourselves a time period to play 50 states and we can't very easily kind of scoot stuff around within that period right so um and then finally like literally the day before i was well, the day i was originally supposed to fly i had like i did the test and it was incredibly faint and i was feeling better and it was nice. just like huh okay um and then so we pushed my flight back as late as possible and then that morning i got up had a negative test and i was like ah and it was just, done it. then then i did like 10 more tests in the road just like ah, ah, ah. right um, and, and, uh, and was definitely did not have covered and it was like okay i can get on the plane now now of course like i'm exhausted <laughs> yeah like, yeah uh don't have any acclimatization time for time zones like my throat was still a bit kind of screwed it was just like this is going to be interesting start to this tour and it's not like i have any respite for right. fifty days yeah. But, you know, um, uh, we're now we're 11 shows down um, and, you know, we've everything has actually gone ahead and run like clockwork and all the rest. And
1: that's great, Um, man. You look good. Thank Well, thank you
0: very much. Um, And I had a day off yesterday. I slept for 13 hours.
2: Oh, nice. That I I got I got it. uh, The same thing happened to me where I was super careful, did not get it. Like two months ago now, I think I'm running out of the 90 day, you know, uh, immunity that I've got where I can basically lick doorknobs and shit. Apparently, oh yeah, that's um, that's that's where I'm at at the moment. But it's yeah, it's yeah, where like, you're just I'm like mouth kissing strangers. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing that Fleet Week thing in New York where you're just <laughs> dipping women that you don't even know, and they're like, "Stop doing that." Uh, you like, should I be my whites? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. It, I got it, and I and I was down for like three days, but I did. I slept for an entire day. Like, and I didn't even decide to do it. My body was like, we're, we're shutting you down. (laughs) Yeah, you know,
0: that's, that's very much what I feel like I've been needing to do. But obviously the schedule hasn't really allowed for that. But, you know, I mean, uh, it feels very in keeping with the 2020s. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: yeah, it's a, it's a weird downward spiral thing. Um, do you? I gotta ask you about the the you on tour with the Counting Crows because a long time ago I love the Counting Crows. They're one of my all time favorite bands, and you're up there with them, singer songwriters, the whole thing. But I want to say I'm not even blowing smoke because it was like when I found out that I read an article where you were talking about how uh, kind of what you learned to play guitar with or what you used to listen to, and yeah, and, yeah. and one of them was uh, Counting Crows, and then you had talked yeah. about how their lyrics kind of inspired like Adam's lyrics and all that stuff, and then uh, I saw you were going out on tour with them, but. The cool thing was is i liked you guys separately like i just found you and then started listening to your stuff and i was like oh my god this guy's great lyrics are awesome music's great you know the whole thing and then i read that article where you were like inspired you know like you you would like the same thing and i was like that's that's it makes so much sense to me yeah yeah it, totally. so it's all but, it, but but i you know sometimes you read stuff and they misquote you but is it all true did you learn like yeah 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 so i mean well i,
0: I grew up this to like initially metal and then punk and hardcore and that was my thing but like mm-hmm particularly like thrash is quite hard to play on guitar um, right. when, when you're like 11 and right. teaching yourself um somewhere in a box I still have one of those tab books for for Megadeth's I think peace sells who's buying um Ooh. and I and I still can't play any of it um and uh I was sort of struggling through all of that and then my older sister in the bedroom next to mine was listening to this record that had just come out um August and everything after and like hmm. to death and you know and I had the book I don't know if this was a thing over here but Bert Whedon's play in a day book which had like oh, basic chord boxes and stuff this is some weird old dude but we didn't um but it had the, it had it had all you know all the basic cowboy chord boxes and stuff and um the cat and Cry stuff it was like it's it's open chords for the most part and it was like well I can I can do something with this and I through a process of trial and error for finding the root chords for the songs I just press play play a chord oh it's not that one <laughs> <So I'll laughs> rewind do it again uh, it's not that one. and then oh it's that one that that feels pretty good um and basically figured out um all of the root chords to the whole of that record uh um, wow. over the course of about six months and then shortly thereafter I discovered that there was also a kind of a chord tablature book for that album too which would have saved me a lot of time, Uh, but uh and and like not only did that make give me a sense of accomplishment because i could sort of play the songs quote unquote but also Mm -hmm. like i would sing them with my sister Mm. um and a really early doors kind of musical experience for me which i think uh has become quite central to the music i make now it wasn't for a long time when i was playing in hardcore bands but like essentially i learned how to play these songs and how to play the guitar but like not to perform to a group of people but to facilitate the crowd of people in a collective action because everybody knew Count crows and yeah. i knew the chords but it was like it wasn't like everyone shut up i'm gonna perform this song it was like here are the chords we're all gonna sing it together and and it, you know it wasn't it was a collective activity and and i think that that experience and it started with crows but like i went through you know soul asylum Weezer, oh, um nice you know, the, the kind of the, the hits of the early to mid 90s um should we say uh even even in in later times i'm eagle eye cherry yeah oh man yeah i had that one down um i would try and throw in like a get up kids song or something every now and again and everyone would be like what the hell is this (laughs) um uh so i had to kind of stick with stuff that was largely just and then of course like oasis ruined everything for everybody um (laughs) i mean that's a whole other conversation right and, um uh, but yeah so eventually kind of reached a point where uh, you know I I, I, would, I had a little repertoire and I could play but it, it again it wasn't a performance to people it wasn't like everybody shut up um right. quite the opposite you know and there is a part of me that thinks that something of that has kind of like helped define my musical DNA or at least the way I think about a good show these days mm. you know obviously tonight I'm going to be standing on a raised piece of flooring in in Richmond and there will be how many people are in front of me but like there is a sense in which it's like i don't want everyone to like be silent receptors for what i'm doing i want right. them to be part of it as well
2: well i've been to one of your so i early one of your earlier shows but like there is a sense of strong community that you've developed with your fans like there's no <laughs> doubt about it like when people go to see the show they do feel like they're a part you can just feel it in the audience they feel like they're a part of it they sing along to everything you're doing they listen like it's it's really a unique experience i've been to other i've been to other live yeah i've been to other live performances and stuff like that but it really is it kind of leaves you feeling like you know everybody that's there yeah obviously you don't <laughs> but it's like you're like are we all getting together for co- like nobody's going to a diner or <laughs> and then you realize once it's over you're all like oh, all right i guess that's it but i've made yeah. friends um just through through your music and stuff like that too like i've literally bonded <clears throat> two of my friends uh one of them um uh, her name is ainsley and i know she's been to a bunch of your concerts um And I think she I think she has a story where she had rushed. She like she was texting me. She was in California. You were there. And she just has this great story where she like got the sheet, the music sheet, and then like somehow managed to rush back to wherever. You know, I don't know how I think women have a better uh, because a guy rushing anywhere, especially one that looks like me, is like we need to put him down. Uh, (laughs) he's moving too quickly and he has a lot of hair but you know she got she got back whatever it was and she wound up meeting you and you signed the thing and everything and it was but yeah we just bonded we become like closer friends just bonding over your music and stuff so it's a it's a great community you guys have
0: awesome thank you i I mean it's it's kind of it's a funny thing it's a little bit like a that that whole side of things i sort of i i i'm duty bound to kind of like not concentrate on that part of it too much yeah. otherwise it would become a sats quite quickly. Do you know what I mean? Like
1: yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. not
0: like it's not like a fan club where you have to like pay <laughs> your dues and have a little badge and all that right. kind of thing. But I'm aware obviously that there is <laughs> there's some pretty big like Facebook groups and I actually I do send people there for stuff like, you know, trading tickets for sold out shows, they're mm-hmm. great for that. But it goes even beyond that. Like there are people who like if somebody's traveling internationally for a show, then people will put them up that, you yeah. know, from the group and that kind of thing. And there is a sort of sense of community. That's and I'm cool. so stoked about that and that exists. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, it would be weird if I was too involved in that. It needs. Oh, to, yeah. If I need <laughs> to let my children run free, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. But, um, I
0: but it, I, I'm very pleased it's that.
2: Do you when you were starting out and stuff like that? Because I've talked to some people who started out over in the UK and they come to America and they both have different receptions where they are um it seems to me from the outside though like you you've got a pretty good reception from home too like do you you feel the same way like do do they um did they gravitate towards you in the beginning when you started you know locally and stuff like that Uh,
0: yeah i I mean i I can sit here and sort of like um and i'm about to to like dissect (laughs) the the differences between the uk and the us for me i think that the headline should be that it's that one of the things i enjoy about what i do for a living is that it tends to highlight what people have in common rather than what differentiates them nice that said i mean like in the it's slightly different because i sort of had my old band had a in a very very small underground way that we had a presence on the uk scene if you like and that was sort of a help and a hindrance like it helped me get a lot of shows in the early days but i was also quite keen not to be the token acoustic guy on the punk rock bill for the rest of my life right, um, right yeah. when i started out so there was a degree of distancing that went on there and there were aspects to, like, the underground punk scene in the UK that I found pretty an- annoying mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I was starting out. Certainly, like, I think a lot of people would say that the punk scene such as it is in the UK has always been a lot more kind of waspish and, like, uh, um, competitive almost, I want to say. And, like, by contrast, when I came to the States, I remember, like, I, I made friends with Chuck Reagan. Who got hold of some of my music from hot water music who, nice i mean incredible like he's we're now great friends but at the time it was like
1: oh my god
0: um but <laughs> within about a month of meeting chuck i would met pretty much everybody in every band i'd ever liked when i was a kid oh, you know man. um just because it's a lot over here it feels like the punk scene is a lot more kind of familial you know like mm-hmm. and, and just kind of like everyone's just like there's, a, there's more of a sense of like i hope you do well rather than yeah. like i will crush you um <laughs> kind of thing uh so so yeah, there's that, and then also obviously the, the, for me coming to America for the first time, there's more kind of a blank slate in terms of what I whatever I'd done before because many mm-hmm. didn't didn't tour over here, um, and then also um, I uh, I benefit from anglophilia, which is a thing I was not expecting, but which is mm. very very real. Um, uh so i mean it's interesting i love this clash i love joe stromer but like the way joe stromer is talked about in america is like oh shit like you you guys think he's, he's referred to unironically as saint joe stromer over here yeah like, in the in the uk he's yeah it's joe stromer was in the class he was cool over here it's just like
2: oh.
0: um and yeah. that, it's it's just a different thing and like you know having an english accent is it re- opens a remarkable number of doors in this country, oh my God. which yeah. is um Which, again, is quite weird and not what I was expecting (laughs) when I first came here. Um, You know, so it's, you know, that you do benefit from that. And there's just a lot of kind of there's a lot of people on the punk scene over here who love The Clash and Elvis Costello and Billy Bragg and Mm -hmm. and, and all that kind of thing. And and, um, I suppose that kind of that 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 benefits me
1: too. Yeah,
2: I think we're I think we're just so tired of each other that anytime something <laughs> new like I, it just it really is it's like oh god anything new any, anything.
0: I mean, the same the same does apply in, in reverse in the sense that like you know americans i know who um well, i mean first of all the entire hardcore punk scene that i grew up with was lived in this sort of like craven awe of american hardcore bands when they'd come through on tour partly because you guys are american and it'd just be like they come from the mystic land um but also <laughs> and this was actually this was actually quite formative for my career and my thinking about it it was that like i remember because the thing is the uk hardcore scene in the 90s was so small it's probably 500 people in the country who gave a shit, mm. so you could do like a uk tour would be like six shows wow you know Mm -hmm. and and like that was a pretty thorough coverage Mm -hmm. um for the island as it were and Mm -hmm. then like and then these american bands would come through and i'm you know i mean agnostic front or sick of it all or indecision or yeah all those kind of bands or even like slightly smaller bands like like ensign or walls of jericho or that kind of thing And they'd done three hundred shows last year, and they come through, and they would wipe the floor with us. Wow! um, From just from the point of view of their their musicality and how tight they were as a band, Mm -hmm. and for some reason they they played more. And like, even as a sixteen-year-old, first going to shows or to hardcore shows, I remember kind of going, "Huh, like Mm -hmm. that's interesting," and I would like. To be more like column b than column a kind of thing yeah, you know, yeah. i'm just wanting to tour a lot Mine I, is one of my other grand theories of why of american musicality as well is that your houses are further away from each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guys can like rehearse in each other's basements and stuff like that in a way that you mm-hmm. cannot do in almost almost anywhere in england unless your parents are wealthy and they live in a massive house like,
2: i thought of it like that that's so yeah, true but,
0: but so, I mean, a pretty average middle class family in this country can have kids who can rehearse a heavy hardcore band in their basement. That right. is not true in
2: the UK. Wow. Yeah, I it's never, I never made that connection, but that's really true. That's yeah. crazy. Um, do, do you do you feel any? Because you have so many albums that are out, right? And you got a new one coming out now. How good are you at moving on from your past work? Or do you still feel like, (laughs) like, do you like not even like playing a touring? I'm thinking like, do you go back and go, you know what? I could tweak that. I can make a little better. I could change a little bit. Or do you go that album's done next album?
0: Oh, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I, I always, uh, TS Eliot once said that poetry is never finished. It's only ever abandoned, which I, I, I like, and I yeah. definitely, and I think that's true of most forms of creativity. And one of the sort of practical skills you learn at a certain point is when to just kind of slightly kind of stop analyzing because you can, there's definitely a tipping point beyond which you make it worse. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> by, by continuing to, to edit or alter or whatever. Um, I, I, I in terms of the actual album i move on from it pretty quickly once it's done i i generally don't then listen to it for about five years um and like i'm actually i've been having an interesting thing recently we've been doing kind of 10-year anniversaries of records and we've done 10-year anniversaries of my first four records now because i'm old and i've been doing this for ages um but like (laughs) uh, and it's interesting kind of going back and doing the 10-year thing because we've been doing kind of deluxe editions with kind of demos and b-sides and yeah you know all of that kind of good stuff and um it's interesting because it's like 10 years is long enough for me to listen to it as a kind of more of an objective like outsider do you know what i mean not 100 percent, obviously but it's like i can sort of listen to it with a degree of detachment Mm -hmm. um which is nice because it means that i'm not trying to second guess how it goes or worrying about how the kick drum sounds or you know whatever it Mm -hmm. might be and it's been quite pleasant to kind of go huh you know this is kind of cool though like I like this record but that isn't yet true of like records from within the last like five years those ones still make me want to kind of like headbutt my laptop into smithereens (laughs) or whatever um but but you know like I mean on a practical level once the record finishes like cool done move forward um also I mean the other thing I would say is that generally speaking in my career like if I've made a record that I'm happy with which has happened a few times but not often that's quite often a moment of kind of like that's, that could be a creative turning point for me. It's like, mm-hmm. cool, that went well. Now do something else. Do you know what I mean? Rather yeah, than like, fine tune that thought process with the next record, it's like that was great. Which means now I'm going to go over that way.
1: Right. Um, yeah.
2: So, do you do you think like England Keep My Bones was like that for you? Because I remember when that yeah, came definitely. out. Okay, great. Because that's that's exactly what I got from it when I when I first heard that record. It was fucking awesome.
0: Thank you. I mean, that was a record where I sort of felt like I had done
2: that thing. Mm-hmm.
0: That. Um, as well as i was likely to do it and therefore right. but i mean it's kind of interesting i mean all of this now feels like a lifetime ago because it was but yeah. like you know when we did take that heart, there was a whole bunch of people who were like well where are all the songs about england and it was like <laughs> that, was, that was that was one album like chill out and then and then after and then it, people asked me where all the breakup songs have gone after being reckless Post type deck and all this and it's just it's like it's not the hardest concept to grasp but that I might that I might sort of deal with one issue for a time and then
2: yeah you know, how are you uh, how are you at doing that kind of like do you set off to make an album in a particular way because I know that some either like if you're writing songs that we've talked to a lot of people that either go you know I hear music first I write everything li- musically and then a few of them not as many as I thought do it lyrically first do you set uh, off the theme though or what's your Kind of I mean
0: the first thing I would say is I try quite hard not to pre-direct um okay. uh, you know and to be quite naturalistic about my songwriting and like I don't want to sound too much like a hippie but like <laughs> you know it's things arrive at the time of their own choosing I don't yeah. have any set process for writing per se and like I would say that generally speaking I have a pile of kind of lyrical ideas that interest me or uh, linguistic ideas almost I want to say mm-hmm. it can be right. as much as just sort of a thought or an idea or a subject or a turn of phrase, um, you know, and there's that, just kind of a notepad pile of there, And then there's kind of a pile of musical ideas over here. And quite often the sort of grunt work of writing is picking up one from one and one from the other. It's a bit kind of junkyard and just doing this for a bit.
2: Nice. Seeing gotcha. if anything
0: sparks uh,
2: right. from
0: time to time, a musical and lyrical ideas sort of arrives combined. And that's usually something good. It's like, aha. Yes. Good onwards with you um but you know it's like i mean i have endless voice notes on my phone I've literally just like it can be like 10 seconds of a guitar figure that feels kind of nice to me and you know similarly just um uh you know it can be a couple of, and quite often they take years to find their home there's a line in a um, song called haven't been doing so well from the new record which yeah. is um if self-loathing was a sport I'd be Muhammad Ali uh, <laughs> and, and like that something it wasn't even that it was something along those lines mm-hmm. that's been mm-hmm. sort of jotted in a notebook for about a decade and it was just waiting for its moment oh, and nice. that wasn't even where that song started I got halfway through that song and was just like. I often feel like your bridge is the bit that sorts the sheep from the goats. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's all very well having a verse and a chorus, but where are you taking your middle-aged motherfucker? Um, (laughs) And and I was just kind of rifling through notepads. This is quite often, this will be part of the process is just if I reach an impasse, you just kind of flip back through old thoughts and old jottings and I saw that one and went, that's already what I'm talking about. Nice. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like that's finally, home you know
2: um yeah because i know we, like during the uh pandemic and the lockdown and stuff like that you know you were doing some streaming stuff and now yeah. you're back uh, from fledged uh, I, I know all of it was <laughs> yeah we, yeah, all, yeah, we yeah. all dabbled in a little i I, I did i did
0: too many live streams i think yeah it was fair to say.
2: <laughs> anyway um but i mean like so wh- how are you are you juggling that right now because i feel like that, that was a lot of the things that people struggled with it was like you know they started doing all this shit when to survive beforehand and entered into new venues this kind of thing you know whatever it is and then now that their normal quote-unquote lives are starting back up again are you mashing the two together have you abandoned have you been able to abandon the other thing or are you <laughs> um, trying to balance it
0: no i mean my my initial hope was to never ever live stream anything ever again <laughs> as long as i lived um, i mean you know it was a necessary um yeah. i don't want to say evil but it you know it was it was uh it was a, a you could say a, it it, well, it made sense at the time because there were no other options for communication. And right. and I'm grateful that it was an option when when required and all that. But at the same time, like, uh, you know, it's a sats and it was a it was stock gap and it was a cover as far as I was concerned. My initial thought was that, like, yeah, I never want to do a live stream again and between now and the, the day I die, god damn yeah. it. But my, <laughs> my thinking on that was slightly altered. I mean, first of all, there are people for various valid reasons for whom coming back to a show is still not quite an option whether that's to do with their own long-term health conditions or if they're a carer for somebody who has long-term health conditions or whatever you know um and i do think that like i don't want to like permanently exclude those kind of people from what i do so we kind of took this view that we were gonna so we've actually done it already we live streamed the show from philadelphia um a couple of nights ago um you know we picked one show of the tour which mm-hmm. was, um, and, and we live streamed that one. And, you know, hopefully that gives people the opportunity to kind of engage with it who, who aren't able to come, but at the same time, like, it wasn't like a special event away from that because the other, the other thing, of course, is that the format of live streaming is very different from doing an actual show because there's no exchange of energy. There's no direct communication because you're in separate rooms and so live, live streaming an actual show make a fair amount of sense to me.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, is it uh, I got to ask you, because I remember the first episode, we talked about this a lot. Uh, but how is your relationship with SkyMall? <laughs> Has it held out? Yeah. Uh, you know what?
0: I, I don't actually I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm not 100% sure what the state of SkyMall currently is. Oh. Um, the, it very nearly went under a few years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, because about a million people sent me a link to the thing that they were trying to crowdfund. SkyMall fans were trying to crowdsource <laughs> buying the company now. Um, oh, which I
2: didn't get involved in, but and did you ever get the big slippers? Because we were talking like that. No, well, I
0: did. I think I, I, I do remember. us talking about this. I did get one of the gigantic Easter Island heads sent to my American oh. tour. Managers. Oh, uh, that's great! I tell you, it was it was it was the it was an excellent like roast or whatever. Like it was we were on tour. It was a guy who used to tour manage me. He's now tour managers, Flog and Molly, and we were touring oh, nice. with Flog and Molly, and. You know, he has a busy time tour managing that band. And mm-hmm. the last day of the tour is always hectic because as a tour manager, part of his job is to deal with where all the equipment goes after the last show. Do you know what I mean? As well as yeah. where all the people go. Um, so I had a eight-foot-tall Easter Island head shipped to the final venue of the tour, addressed to him
1: <laughs> um,
0: with no further explanation <laughs> attached to it. And um, so he arrived at the venue and was told that there was a delivery waiting for him, which is pretty normal for a tour manager. That would happen. I mean, he was a bit like, and he was like, what if I ordered? It's the last day of the tour. And then he was like, you son of a bitch. Um, But it's now in his fire pit in his garden. Um, Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I was going to
2: say, did he get it back to wherever he he was supposed
0: to go? Thankfully, it was already packed in a a crate. So uh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: hilarious. Yeah, I was wondering if they survived the pandemic or not. And I like, it's one of those things that we had talked about it like so much that like it just stuck in my head. And I was like <laughs> thinking about it like nonstop. And then like all of a sudden, you know, when like you don't think about anything and then somebody puts it in your head and you see it everywhere yeah, yeah, after yeah. that. And you're like, has it always been here? Is the universe just tossing?" it? It was it was one of those situations where I was sure. like, God damn it, Frank Turner. <laughs> well, we you know what? We are driving
0: most of this 50 States tour, but I am flying okay. to Alaska. Um, and back again. Okay. So I will be checking out to see if there's any SkyMall action.
2: Nice, nice. Is there? Am I allowed to ask you what your favorite is? Or are you not supposed to do it while you're on tour? My favorite state. Yeah, yeah.
1: Your favorite place to perform in the U.S. Today it's Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Richmond, yeah. <laughs> we have fans waiting to see him tonight. That are but, Yeah, with my, my
0: my 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 play, my favorite place to play is insert your state here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, like I mean, I will say, like with the bit I'm almost most excited about on this tour is getting to um, uh, the places I haven't been. So, so before ahead of this tour, I had I was missing three states,
2: oh,
0: which wow. is Wyoming, South Dakota, and Hawaii. And my booking agent did at one point be like, "We could just do three shows, and then you would have your full 50. Wow. And I said,
1: "Eh, no fun." <laughs>
0: Um, and now I'm sitting here thinking, wow, that would have been a great idea for a tour. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to going to those three states because uh, that would be new territory nice. for me. I mean, uh, we're finishing Hawaii, which sounds delightful. However, at that point, I'm going to be exhausted and wanting to go home. So I'm not really hanging around yeah. very much, alas. But, um, uh, but I'm looking forward to those two. That's awesome. And uh, Richmond, of course. I, I, yes, and of Richmond. course,
2: Richmond, Virginia. What, where's your show tonight, at Richmond. Uh, it's at the
0: National in Richmond Virginia. Very nice, um, which is a delightful spot.
1: Yeah,
2: absolutely. It's a great yeah. It's a great place.
1: Um, I got some questions you... too with with all the travel. The uh, so now are you in a big bus or are you? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. We're on a big tour bus, um,
0: and uh, you. Know, I mean, my hat goes i about to say my hat goes out to, which isn't quite. That's two metaphors, two sayings being mixed up. <laughs> my, my my hat gets taken off for my crew, my my um, manager, booking agent, production manager, and tour manager, because essentially, like everyone's like, wow, I must have taken so much work to organise a tour, and I'm like, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I came up with the idea, and just kind of, I just sort of vomit ideas into a, my cupped hands. And, past them <laughs> <laughs> to my crew, who then go, Jesus Christ, and figure it all out. Um, and there's some, I mean, some a fair amount of this tour is reasonably normal, but just quite long. Um, there are some sticky parts. Uh, the Dakotas are quite far away from everything else and each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that part's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and As then, they
2: should be. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. Uh, <laughs>
0: Dakotas and like and the, the first the first stretch of this tour was pretty brutal because the thing is like I'm not playing every single day 50 days my voice can not take that so yeah. in the Northeast we did a lot of two show days because that buys me a day off if you see what I mean yeah. um so we did we did 11 shows in seven days at the top of this tour um wow. which uh which was brutal um wow. and in fact I mean right now I'm doing six shows in the next five days including tonight um but, you know, there is a, once once we kind of get into the middle, it's a pretty regular tour, to be honest.
2: Oh, cool.
1: Gotcha. That is very cool. And That's then awesome. you have favorite spots to eat and stop along the way? Like, have you <laughs> picked those up? Because me and John usually has this at yeah. most people. Yeah, I
0: mean, I do. I mean, so one of the fun things of this tour is that um, the drummer in my band, Callum, it's his, uh, it's his first tour in America with us. He joined the band 18 months ago. And, indeed, his first ever trip to America. And, like, me um, and the rest of everybody else, we've all been around this country a lot in the past and it's really nice having somebody seeing it with fresh eyes you know that gives yeah. us a kind of a uh, um a fresh perspective on it all and so one of the first things that we taught him and, and the next few days will be crucial for this is that um what was historically known as the mason dixon line uh, is of course now known as the ihop Waffle house line so um <laughs> uh, uh we've taken him to an ihop which incidentally is a chain that should be called hop because <laughs> there are I think I'm told there's one in Canada yeah but otherwise it is a national or maybe maybe n it's a national house of pancakes um <laughs> uh, but uh so we true. took him to an IHOP and it was glorious it was like pretty much on like the second day of the tour and he was like oh I'll get that and it's like yeah half a house of food arrived right. um, <laughs> but in the next couple of days as and when it's doable we're going to take him to a Waffle House and if I had to choose between IHOP and Waffle House, I would choose Waffle House.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The have, Richmond
0: has I, I know it's going to kill me. I know it's going to kill me. But I'm, oh, yeah. I'm ready
2: for that. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a... You know, I felt the same way when they tried to... Uh, the, I don't know. There was some kind of... I don't know if you had this or heard this or if you were in the States yet, but they were boycotting Pizza Hut. You know, it was the... It was the if you go woke, you go broke thing. So, like, all the conservatives were like... Because Pizza Hut does that reading program thing where they were like... Uh-huh you know, uh, if kids read a certain amount of books and one of the books they're recommending is about a, you know, a kid who wants to be a drag queen. So of course, conservatives lost their mind and then wanted to ban pizza. Hut. I'm, I'm 37. I haven't had pizza Hut in God knows how long, but I was like, I will eat pizza hut every day <laughs> <laughs> in spite yeah. of what it's yeah, going to yeah. do to my intestines now. Right. Uh, well,
0: the, the flip side of that for me actually was that I was introduced, um, probably five years ago to Chick-fil-A and Chick-fil-A makes some fantastic chicken. And and then it was after that that I was then informed about the broader political perspectives of, um, to put it (laughs) in a generous way, um, of (laughs) of Chick-fil-A, which was a real sadness for me because- I um, completely agree. They make, they are really, really tasty chicken, but unfortunately it's not for me. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, generally speaking, my my dining choices are governed by what is nearest the venue uh, and what approximates closest to health (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> um have you been do you do you binge stuff when you're on the road are you are you pretty good in the like the tour bus stuff like that what have you been uh, uh yeah
0: music? i mean i've been and i read a lot um uh i i do i mean i, I was been what did i the first day off of this tour i watched the entirety of the final se- season of piggy binders and then passed out it was amazing so, um yeah uh but i read a lot as well um uh what am i reading at the moment i just finished uh, a book about postmodernism. Um, and I have a book by Thomas Nagel that I'm going to start shortly, and nice. um, a lot of history books and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I I I read a lot.
2: That's awesome. Uh, yeah. If you Did you watch, did you watch Stranger Things? Are you a fan?
0: You know, I watched two episodes yesterday.
2: Oh, you did? Nice. Yeah, you oh, well, in on.
0: fact, if I'm allowed to have an opinion about Stranger Things, I thought the first season was absolutely phenomenal from top to yeah. bottom, and yeah. I yeah. thought that seasons two and seasons three were a little bit like the later period Matrix films in the sense that it was somebody who kind of stumbled across an incredible idea and then didn't really know what to do with it um,
1: uh, yeah yeah
0: and and i mean i you know i i still think that the first season was good enough that i'm going to watch season four and i am now watching it but right. it's just there was sometimes you know that there was such kind of like purpose to that first season it had a direction it had a narrative arc, and it just sort of made sense mm-hmm. um and it was original and all this kind of thing and uh You know, sometimes there are there are TV shows that I think that could stand to just be one season and that would be okay.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, they're doing that now with like, I mean, and I, you know, I love all the Star Wars stuff or whatever. But I really noticed that, like, you know, they'll pump out these series or whatever. And they're eight episodes long and the story cannot fill eight episodes.
0: Well, can I ruin my career quickly? Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. Stop. Stop fucking caring about Star Wars. It was it was it was it was three possibly good adolescent movies in the 1970s and 80s yeah like and every <laughs> like guitar tech in my band is like a diehard star wars fan who has been disappointed by absolutely every single thing apart from the first three films yes and it's like it's it's like how many times does do you need to get like beaten before you kind of <laughs> accept that star wars doesn't love
1: you like, i know it,
0: it's just like it's just it it yeah. happened like when you were a child it's so it, bad man yeah if you, like,
1: you could have freeze fr- frame this the shot when you said that to john you could see his heartbreak
0: but it's <laughs> fucking true, and you know it's true in your I heart. Do. And like and my guitar he's like, oh well, rogue one's good. And I'm like, cool, that's like one out of like 15 <laughs> things they've done since. I'm not gonna invest my time. And it's like, and it, you know, I enjoyed the first three, and sure. The, yeah. the story's kind of imprinted on my brain, partly because of how old I am, but like it's yeah. not yeah. it's not fucking Tolstoy, you right? Know what I mean? it's it's, like, it's not it's not like important to me it's just right. a plot I remember because I saw it when I was like six
2: yeah, yeah. It, it, you're you're absolutely right and I don't know it, I was sitting there watching it last night because I was like oh because okay uh, oh god I'm not defending anything I watched Mandalorian. I really no, but, I Man- mean, you, you can defend You're allowed to. Right. No, right. be,
0: be you can tell me I'm wrong about this. You're it's not
2: totally wrong. Fine. But here's the thing. You're not wrong because I was just – because you said your your buddy was like Rogue One was good and that's the one I would ever. I was in my brain going, oh, uh, I could get him with by saying Mandalorian was great. But, yeah, it was one, one season of a show. <laughs> But later, like, yeah. but then I'm sitting there. But also, literally...
0: also well, if we're going to get deeper into this, by the way, the one of the things that annoys me about Star Trek is the fact that the, what's great about science fiction is that literally anything could happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, at least I think I'm not exaggerating by saying that on the fourth time of trying, oh, there was a fucking huge machine with an air vent that they flew in and fucking <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> literally anything. In all of you, not just in reality, in all of, Ian Banks famously started writing Sci-Fi books under Ian M. Banks because reality was too constrained for his imagination. I think it's absolutely amazing and I adore his books. And like, it's just kind of like, cool, I mean, anything at all could happen in the Star Wars universe, but it's fucking the Ewoks and the air vents
2: again. Like, Yeah. yeah just christ hey no it's um, like they're literally like the last couple movies were like somebody had an ip list and they were like all right what are we checking off here and then somebody just went select all and then they just threw yeah every but that's
0: it i watched the i watched the episode uh hold on nine i suppose it would be the first oh, yeah. of the kind of new ones i, I yeah. went to see it like with my nephew who in fairness really enjoyed it because he was nine <laughs> um but like and, and but it was just a bit kind of like it just made me think of kind of like comic book guy from the simpsons <laughs> and it's like they were desperate not to piss him off. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, you know what would have been amazing? Would we make a new Star Wars film that didn't make any fucking reference to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had all new aliens and all new worlds and all this kind of thing. That I think that's staggering.
2: what they, they gave it to Taika Waititi, who I love, uh, who hmm. I think has done a bunch of great shit. So, and he was like, I'm not using Like, he's, he's like, if I'm going to make Star Wars shit, like it's going to be n- I'm not using anybody that anybody knows. It's all going to be new. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they do some of that. But like even then, it's like sometimes you're like, why not just make a new space movie? There's so many other sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you have to do it under that moniker for? It's fucking weird. Yeah, Yeah. it's just like,
0: I mean, it is the most... Well, I was going to say it's the most damaged brand, but ultimately it's the most resilient brand, ultimately, because everybody's still fucking obsessed with this thing that has thus
2: far
0: got a score of three yeah (laughs) out of out of a million and even that's slightly debatable about jedi come on
2: oh Uh, yeah (laughs) i i thought i I mean you know what i loved i love i like ryan johnson a lot especially as a just director in general knives out was fucking amazing uh Mm. and i thought he had a really good like like it looked like the the franchise was finally gonna go in a different direction because he really kind of opened it up and did a bunch of shit that pissed off like the normal fan like all that other crap but like it was a great film and then like disney chickened out and they were like Can we can we bring in the mediocre guy to bring back all the shit we like? (laughs) And then like that was that
1: was just fucking it. I Um, I think this is a perfect segue to let our audience in with us to ask some questions. So if you're out there and you have some questions... because I'm I'm about
0: to get stabbed by Star Wars fans. Well, it it
1: split the crowd. Jackie, who's seeing you tonight, says, I agree, Star Wars is overrated. And the Moore said, no worries, Pove, the Force is with you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, ultimately, ultimately, and and like this is... is, Okay, let, let me broaden this out and make this more philosophical. One of the things I've learned as I've got older is it's such a waste of time being annoyed that people have different tastes to you. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, if people like Star Wars, I, that makes me happy. And I hope that, that Star Wars makes more films that makes them happy. It's yeah. like it's like the music of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's not for me, but every morning, the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> wake up and make, make Red Hot Chili Peppers fans happy. And I think that's good, and I hope they do that more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I feel the
2: same way about ventriloquists.
0: <laughs> right. uh, I, I well, feel the same it. way, yeah. Yeah, you know, if, if there's somebody making something putting some kind of art out into the world that makes some any other group of people happier then I hope they do more of it ultimately
1: absolutely (laughs) Jackie said she discovered you while she was uh seeing the Counting Crows and she'll see you again tonight fantastic she was just wondering if you were able to travel uh oh how how I'm able to travel um well so we have a
0: we have a complicated thing going on so basically let's get specific the tour bus has to kind of travel overnight to where it's going to be for the evening show each day um I've only got the one show today so you know we drove overnight uh from New Jersey in fact we had to day off yesterday oh no nice. um but uh um sorry hold on uh but so um and then uh on the day so for example in two days time I'm doing Charlotte in the evening uh but I'm doing uh West Columbia South Carolina in the afternoon so i'm going to wake up in charlotte and then my buddy craig is going to be there with a uh hire car and we're going to jump in the hire car and drive oh, to okay. west columbia south Carolina, and then turn around and then drive back in and um wow. yeah so that's how that's going to work so it's it's a pretty pretty crazy logistical undertaking
1: do you need two sets of equipment do they take one and set up the other one while you're performing at the previous show so the next um, so the,
0: the daytime shows are generally solo shows Gotcha. So the full band equipment, get, but that's part of the reason why the bus has to arrive um, uh, um, the evening venue is because it takes all day to set up a, a full band show with the amps and the drums and blah, blah, blah. Yes.
2: Um, one way. of the
0: advantages of what I do is that it's flexible. You know, I can, I can play on my own Or tomorrow night. We're in Huntington, West Virginia and uh, Mr. Matt Nazir and I will be playing a duo show.
2: Um,
0: so, you know, it switches up
1: um, from show to show. Sweet. Very cool. Very, um, very cool. Can I end
2: with a big three yet? Or, oh, okay. No, I got
1: plenty. I'm sorry. They, they were coming in. So, no, no, Scuba coming. Pudding Girl was asked, What are Frank's Vogel warm up and cool down techniques?
0: Uh, I mean, we'll be here for a long time if we get hard into it, but uh, I do a lot of steaming um, uh, of my voice. I have like a, a throat steamer thing, um, which is terribly cool and punk. Um, and uh, I do a lot of that. And then, kind of like. Um, uh, drink your throat throat and then kind of various kind of scales and, and workout exercises and all this kind of thing um you know and then a fair amount of hope <laughs>
1: uh, I mean
0: this is a you know we're doing I mean at the headline the evening shows I'm doing two hours and during the daytime I'm generally doing an hour it's it's pretty hard going on yeah. this run wow
1: that is pretty strenuous. The more said, uh, my man Frank just be- my mom. Yeah, my man Frank just became a huge fan. The Earth is flat. Good tune. Well, thank you. That was one from a record I did with
0: my buddy John Snodgrass. Uh, buddies two. Um, uh, we're talking about doing buddies three. Although that's, but the buddies one and buddies two had ten years between them, so we've, we're going to do buddies three in oh, wow. twenty thirty. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you. Uh, uh, the the thing with those records is that we write them in a day. Um, wow, so wow. Uh, we did, uh, and uh, I, of course, I don't actually think the earth is flat. For anyone who hasn't heard that song and is wondering,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and let me see that. So Jackie also said she would like to know if you'll be performing tattoos at the Richmond show tonight. Oh well, let me see what
0: I can do. I've had a fair few um, uh, requests for this evening, but Jackie, I will
2: leave it with me. Oh, that was nice. Yes. Yeah, nice.
1: How nice that you tuning into dystopia. This is our first time on Dystopia. She mentioned earlier, actually, in the chat. Oh, thanks for joining in engage up. with, right? Thanks for joining us in our little dystopia over here. Uh, uh, Any more? Ah uh, yes, let me check. Well, the more he covered it about about that tune and release mm-hmm. and oh, Ali had asked he asked if you'd gotten your <laughs> 100,000 play button from YouTube yet because it was 105,000 <laughs> followers.
0: Yeah, yeah there's I uh, I've got a so I I have a nephew who's now 13. He's very sweet, but he's very into kind of stats, shall we say. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, and he's got a phone now, and he texted me and he said, Uncle Frank, I hear that when you get 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, you get a, you get an award. Is that true? And I said, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> and he texted me back and said, well, you have 98,000 followers. Why don't you get 2,000 more and tell me? And I said, <laughs> okay okay I will I mean like um and and so, and so I mean I don't quite know how one gets more subscribers on YouTube I just sort of continued doing what I do and uh and we got the 100,000 thing and I did and you do get an award and oh, I mean I'm not disavowing it in any way I'm very pleased with it it's a slightly kind of esoteric thing to have an award for mm-hmm. but it is hilariously shit loads bigger than any of the other awards <laughs> I've ever received it's really big so like I've got like. I've got like kind of in spirit of independence, Kerrang Award. I've got the independent music, I've got three awards from them. I've got like, you know, I've got a number one record award and all this kind of thing. And they all look great on my shelf. And then there's this
1: hundred thousand YouTube, <laughs> which
0: is like, <laughs> that's a huge steel slab. Um, oh my God. But you know, fuck it. It's cool. It looks good on the shelf, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that <laughs> that's is incredible. The uh Ar-Castro said there's plenty of IHOPs in Mexico. So that, that's me the You know what?
0: This is fantastic. I wow. stand corrected. I stand educated.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I right. IHOP fans coming in swinging. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs>
0: hey, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I like I I like IHOP, but Waffle House. The reason Waffle House edges it, aside from the fact that they're pretty, they're more kind of like um, open about the fact they're trying to kill you, um, is the <laughs> fact that um, is the jukeboxes. Do you know about the jukeboxes? Yes, Waffle House? absolutely. So in the 1960s, basically anybody who couldn't get signed to Stacks or Motown or those soul groups that would record songs about waffles mm-hmm. and they would get put on the waffle house jukeboxes, boxes and they're still there and it's absolutely sensational because yeah, wow. you know even the, a lot of these were really quite excellent soul uh, R&B bands from the 1960s kind of like my grits are cooking down at the waffle house mm-hmm. it's
1: yeah. awesome yeah. i might do an album of waffle house songs oh that'd be great <laughs> that would be great that would be awesome <laughs> now you're going to have the people demanding it and Is in that, this right? question
0: in front of me right now
1: um yeah. uh from uh
0: our our caster show our caster show yeah is that our cast show i don't know um thank you for the question um i I mean yes absolutely and in a way i feel like a song that changes its meaning for me over the years that seems like a good sign to me in the sense that um the song has some kind of flexibility if you see what i mean like i think that a song that is just about one thing and, and has no room for interpretation i mean i have a lot of songs like that don't get me wrong but like yeah I'm almost more interested you know when it, when somebody comes up to me and says well this song that you wrote means this to me and I'm like huh wow okay like right. and that's good you know and, and sometimes people worry if their interpretation of one of my songs doesn't chime with mine I'm like no, no no that's that's great that's how it should be the song means whatever you think it means ultimately nice. um and there are I'm um, the, the most obvious example to me that I have a song called I Am Disappeared which I I could to be honest find it quite difficult to remember exactly what it was thinking about when I wrote it but it's it's definitely I wrote that song probably 12 years ago yeah. um and it means radically different things to me now to, wow. to what it meant then and i think that's and it indeed changes night on night and i think that's cool
1: that is cool that is really cool and i love that as an artist you embrace other people's like oh yeah of yeah, yeah. Your there's a, there's
0: a there's a guy somewhere in in europe i, I don't want to be too specific about this but he's got this like Serious, like conspiracy theory, like corkboard with bits of string. Theory that, like, all of my songs are like about one very small group of people, and that this name and this song is that person in that song, and that that song feeds into wow. that song, and blah, la And he did tell me about it once after a show, and I was like, "You are one hundred percent correct." Wow, <laughs>
2: <What? laughs>
0: that just you, waved him on his way.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. It's <laughs> pretty amazing. Excellent. So. We appreciate everybody out there asking all the questions, but I know uh, I know we don't want to keep you too long. But, John, yeah. you want to hit him with big so three? So we didn't too, have right?
2: this last time you were on. So we, we've been asking oh, okay. every guest the same three questions. Um, so the first one is, uh, if you can go back in time, talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself today? Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, 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 in all honesty,
0: I think that, 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 I, that the, the problem with that question is that, like, learning by doing is the best way of learning anything. So yeah. generally speaking, I don't want to, like, preempt any of the things I, I have regrets i have bad decisions i've made and all the rest mm-hmm. of it but like you know um i don't want to kind of get into sort of second guessing any of that but i right. wish i'd stretched more when i was younger yeah because because nice. it fucking hurts hurting your back injuring your back um wow. and so there we go that's Great. a good answer and i feel yeah. like
1: i agree like learning from doing i don't think i've ever i don't really have regrets as much as i have like learning experiences as long as i take it in as a learning experience it's all right not too bad. yeah
2: Um, especially no one's ever said how weird it would be for an older man to show up at a younger kid's like playground and shake the shit out of them and tell them not to do something just to traumatize it. Like no time to explain. Yeah.
0: I would probably then do that thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, like, fuck you, weird old man with tattoos. (laughs) Uh,
2: Second question is what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today?
0: What what had to end? I mean, uh, I mean many things um uh I mean I suppose I could talk about um uh my, my I had issues with substance abuse for a long time and like the, I'm always haunted by a line from the hold steady where Craig wrote the the lyric it started recreational and ended kind of medical and oh, definitely yeah. started out as fun and then wasn't fun um and was a real issue in my life and it, it is currently in my rearview mirror I think that. Anybody who has any kind of addiction issues knows that that's a, a continual, ongoing process. Um, but uh, I certainly, it definitely reached a point where I wasn't going to be here in any shape or form unless I did something about it. So wow, there we go. Yeah,
1: Great, man. that's good.
2: Uh, and the last question ties in with the show. Uh, it's kind of goofy. Uh, if this is a genuine dystopia, more so than it is now, it could be aliens or zombies or a comet heading toward Earth. But it's everybody's last day. Uh, how would you want to go out? What would be your epic death? <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, you know, I, this is a, that's a difficult question in a lot of different ways because, I mean, on the, you know, I'd want to spend it with my wife uh, um, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. on the flip side, I don't want to make this a heavy answer to the question, but in <laughs> all seriousness, if I knew the world was going to answer tomorrow, a big part of me would want to get high. Um, nice. But, because, like, and that's the thing I spend a lot of my life trying not to do anymore. Right. But, like, if, yeah. if if there were no further consequences, I'd be like, fuck it, man. Let's get really fucked up. Um, there's not... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's a part of me that wouldn't want to know and just carry on. Yeah. Do
2: you know what I mean? I, I think... Wh- I like what that would too. you want it to be? Would you want it to be an alien invasion? Would you want to be zombie? Like, what kind of supernatural shit would you want to get high during? Oh, I
0: mean... I- <laughs> <laughs> i i can't i kind of i think i'm more into the like the meteor type situation all right yeah um i mean like uh, the, i think that zombie films just go on and on and on i like and i certainly like i feel like if i realized that i was in like a kind of day of the dead type situation i would run open arm towards the zombies because <laughs> the people who survive for a long time don't have a good time right yeah you know what right. i mean it's not it's not it's not a good life that the right people in the walking dead season no. six are living you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> not like, even on yeah. the set yeah and it's like so i'd just be like oh it's what it's the zombie cool i uh, bye
1: <laughs> 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 you know? hilarious like, man yeah uh
2: thanks so much for doing this man thanks for coming back with us i appreciate it my yeah, pleasure man. thank you for having me um uh maybe we'll do it again sometime
1: <laughs> yep. yeah absolutely you know, I wish I wish we would have known when you were up in the New Jersey one. That was my fault. I was in I was in Vegas, but that would have been a cool one to go check you out. We're gonna have to try and travel to one of these other states when you get in the well, right, we are we
0: are doing all of them. So yeah. uh...
1: <laughs> John, I'm gonna try and convince John to do one that we haven't uh seen that we haven't seen. Maybe you haven't seen. I'll get him to South oh, Dakota or something. A st- okay. I was gonna say I was like I was like we just trashed the Dakotas. Uh, to
2: trash them. No, <laughs> well I, now you I, have to go and said, apologize. I, That's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'll do that, uh, dude. Thanks so much, man. Have a good time in Such a pleasure, you. man. Yep. Thanks. That's a great though. one Thank tonight. Peace Bye. It's tonight. tonight.